It's time to end the cycles of trauma, drama, and abuse. Welcome to our podcast, Common Sense Conversations. I'm Jackie Dona. I'm Danielle. I'm Joy. I'm Lorraine London Polite, and our vision is to seek communities that practice a higher standard of care for themselves and for others. Through our discussions, we hope to provide opportunities to acknowledge the hurt, pain, and dysfunction we have all experienced, then take steps towards living a healthier lifestyle. Join us weekly for practical discussions as we expand on the conversations we have on our YouTube channel, also called Common Sense Conversations. These conversations cause us to challenge our current realities, but we recognize that in order to grow, we have to be willing to take a different path. Are you ready? Let's start right now. This episode includes discussions that may be traumatizing or triggering to survivors of abuse and manipulation. We acknowledge that this content may be difficult. We also encourage you to care for your safety and well-being. Previously on Common Sense Conversations. The DSM says that these nine things are what uh, basically, if you see these nine things in a person, they are a narcissist. Chaplain Jose Bourget, I think he he opened my eyes up to the extent extensive um, interactions, especially in ministry that we have with narcissists. As you start to become more like familiar with these traits and putting them all together, then you realize like, oh no, like I've interacted with people who like, this is the way that they've always been. And I just thought it was normal. But I think I fully uh, understood NPD through relationships because unfortunately um, my, uh, most of my like romantic relationships have been with narcissists. Common Sense Conversations. Let's start now. Quick disclaimer, we are not licensed mental health professionals. We're simply sharing based on our own personal experiences. If anyone listening needs assistance, we encourage you to seek out professional help. Check out our resource page for links to help you find a qualified mental health provider in your area. Enjoy the episode. Hello, ladies. Welcome back to another Common Sense Conversation. This is the extended conversation where we expound on topics that we've discussed on our YouTube channel. That's called Common Sense Conversation, so be sure to check that out. Uh, Today, we're going to be talking about narcissism, and this is actually the second part. Um, So there was one part that we did with Chaplain Jose, and now we're talking about part two, where Chaplain June Price also joined us, and they had a really good uh, practical um, second part of the conversation on narcissism. So we're just going to go ahead and dive right in. Dive in, dive in. Exactly. I'm I'm taking a page out of Lorraine's book and we're diving right in. (laughs) So um, one of the first really interesting points that um, Chaplain Price brought up, um, this was when um, Lorraine had asked the question about um, basically how to identify a narcissist. Um, like, how do you know that someone truly is a narcissist? 
versus, you know, someone who might just be like displaying narcissistic tendencies. Um, and like, what is that experience like for a person who might be, you know, in close relationship with narcissists? Um, and so uh, Chaplin Price, uh, June, brought up the point about the narcissist cycle of abuse. Um, and I thought that was really interesting and I definitely had to do more research because I had actually never heard about like the specific cycle of abuse when it comes to interacting with narcissists. So I did a little bit of research and uh, uh, so it looks like the regular cycle of abuse just for like general abusive relationships, it starts with tension building um, and then the next step is acting out. And so that would be whatever form of abuse is taking place. Then the next thing is reconciliation slash honeymoon. Um, and then the next thing after that would be the calm. And then the cycle starts up again, back to the tension building and goes all the way through. Uh, but it's actually different for the narcissistic cycle of abuse. And so uh, I know I'm talking a lot at the beginning, but I promise the conversation part is coming. <laughs> I just got to set the framework first. Um, so the first step in the narcissistic cycle of abuse is that the narcissist feels threatened. And so this could be, you know, some kind of upsetting event that they experience at work or at home, or, you know, it could be something that they're triggered by that an experience that another person is having, and they wish they were the ones who got to experience that it could be anything across the board, um, but the narcissist starts to feel threatened. Um, and then the next step is to abuse others. And also typically the, the, the person who ends up being abused by the narcissist, they're aware of whatever you know, that trigger is for the narcissist. Like if it's a promotion at work that some other person got and the narcissist felt like they deserved that promotion, you know, the person who is in close relationship with them will be aware of that um, and, you know, start to kind of like walk on eggshells and be tentative. And then the next step is for the narcissist to abuse the people around them. Um, so that happens and, you know, it could be abuse in, in a, a several different forms. Um, and so once that abuse continues, the, at some point, the person who's being abused realizes like, no, I need to stand up for myself. I'm not going to just allow this to keep happening. And so they'll start to defend themselves. And that triggers the next step in the cycle, which is when the narcissist becomes the victim. So now they'll start to flip the script and say, you see, this is exactly why, da, 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 da. look at the way that you're treating me, look at how you're doing this and look at how you're doing that. Regardless of the fact that they're the ones who started with abusive behavior and that's the only reason why they're receiving pushback. Um, so that will happen. And, you know, typically the person that they're interacting with is a more empathetic person. And so they can, you know, they can acknowledge they're wrong or like they can acknowledge how the narcissist might be feeling and oftentimes they'll end up you know trying to empathize in some way with the narcissist and that leads them into the last step of the of the cycle which is feeling empowered you know now they feel like I've won, somebody else acknowledged that I was right this is what I've been trying to prove all along da 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 da, -da. and then the cycle starts again from the beginning so I just thought that that was really interesting because I think it could help to detail um, for people who might be listening and wondering if someone that they've interacted with is a narcissist, 
what that experience might be like. Yeah, so I'm just really curious to hear what you guys think about all of that, because I know that was a whole lot of information. And for me, it helped like several different experiences that I've had to like click into place and to be able to like clearly see the, the parts of the cycle that I've, you know, experienced. So I am still processing a lot of that information because it's one thing to hear like an academic explanation of a daily phenomenon that happens in the lives of millions of people every day, probably. Um, everything from like the grooming portion where there's that aspect of the narcissist just pulling in that empathy that'll attract the individual to the narcissist. Yeah. That's something that I think that I have experienced, not I think, I have definitely experienced myself where I was quickly drawn in by the narcissist, by the investment, by the um, quick concept of loyalty they seem to have. Um, And then it creates very intense feelings of connection with the narcissist, which then make the rest of the cycle that you talked about of them like, you know, starting to devalue and more doubt that makes it so much worse to go through that because you start, you be start so high with that person. Mm -hmm. And when you start to see the holes in their reality and then the holes in your reality when you're no longer stuck in their reality and you're seeing things clearly it hurts so much more and so I think it's I would like to see um more I know Dr. Romani who's on our research page talks about this a lot but just healing from this uh narcissistic abuse and like ways in which to identify it no, I love it, Danny. I mean, I think for me, what I heard you saying that how my heart translated it is the the amount of pain that comes by going through those cycles. Mm-hmm. I I've experienced going through the cycles. We've experienced going through the cycles. They have taken us through the cycles so how do we heal after experiencing that you know that's what I that's what my heart hears you know and um I agree with you you know I agree that it's it's kind of crazy as as we become clear right as we uh, separate from the cycles and we separate emotionally Right. As we have accountability partners, I say, hey, it's time to step back. Look at the reality. Don't uh, don't process through what they have told you. Don't process through this. Right. This delusion, like step back and look at the reality. And as you watch your life and what you've 
you know, what you've experienced and what you've taken in from them and how you've tried. And, you know, I'm not going to lie. There are, there are many times, even now, I think I question if I am the sane one, like if, like if, am I a narcissist? You know, maybe I am a bully. Maybe I am, you know, maybe I am someone that perpetuates, you know, dysfunctions. Maybe I am a perpetrator. Maybe I am mean. Maybe I am destructive. Maybe I am, you know, and you, you go through those, you question yourself, not realizing at first that it's, that's a result of the cycles. But then when you get clarity, it's still so hard to detach yourself from that process of questioning that heartbreak. You know, how can someone tell you that? How can someone treat you that way? How can someone? And it really, the cycle to me really comes in handy when you look at the traits when you see the traits of a narcissist, you know, narcissistic personality disorder, you know, when you, when you realize you can identify the traits and you can identify, Hey, someone may pretend to have empathy or someone uh, has had trauma, but they have, you know, they had just haven't done the work and they become this person. Then you look at the cycles and you're like, Oh, yeah, you're going to project. Yeah, you're going to you're going to make sure that I am the one that feels like I'm in the wrong and I'm the one that feels like um and you're you are going to become the victim. And then it is going to empower you because you're not willing to do the work. You know, and so just hearing you joy explain all of that like my mind, yes, I love Dr. Romani like every video. I um consume it right? Because it gives you such clarity. But as you describe it, it also, it just tugs in your heart. It just tugs on your heart. You just have so many questions and you wonder, first of all, how in the world did I get out of the cycle? And second, how do people get out and how do we heal? Like Danny said. Yeah. And I think as you're talking, Lauren, I'm thinking about what came to my mind was when uh, Joe was mentioning the cycles and the differences between the cycles and how it's so hard to tell the difference because they're both abuse. Like abuse is abuse, although there are differences, you know, and those differences can sometimes seem small because it's it's so intense no matter what situation you're in. And so my mind is like, you know, how do you identify these differences, you know, with somebody who is, you know, just the typical cycle of abuse that we are more familiar with in a narcissistic, you know, cycle of abuse, because sometimes they differently, like, although there are these steps, you know, somebody who's a narcissist is not going to behave the exact same way. And so my mind is like, how do we begin to make more clear distinctions um, when we're interacting with people and, and stuff like that? And also in our minds, thinking about previous situations, like as you're saying, Lorraine and Danny, like the healing process, like thinking about previous situations, I've definitely encountered a few narcissists in my life and I've definitely been harmed and, you know, abused by a few narcissists in my life. So trying to look back and be like, okay, was this 
a narcissist experience? You know, was this person a narcissist or was this a different kind of abuse? So I think that's where my mind is trying to kind of distinguish between the two because it, I think the cycle is well-defined, but also it's still ambiguous. So yeah, that's where my brain is kind of going right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, what I'm hearing you all allude to is um, what are the steps after, you know? And that's actually like one of the questions that I have, like once, once someone is removed from the cycle or if someone is currently in the cycle and they're looking to be removed from the cycle, maybe they're coming to the realization now that like, oh my goodness, I am in this cycle. And this is like something that continues to repeat itself. Um, Like what are the steps for that person to take? And that's actually one of the questions um, that I had for our conversation as well. And maybe not necessarily um, giving like a, a specific, like this is what you do first and this is what you do next because obviously everyone is gonna have different experiences, um, but just based on our own experiences, uh, what, are, what were some of the things that were helpful for us in trying to detach from that cycle um, or you know, in, in coming to terms with the fact that someone that you're interacting with is a narcissist and then taking steps to um, you know, create some separation of moving forward. If, if, if you could say something to somebody who's looking to figure out like, well, what do I do now that I'm coming to this realization? What would you say? One of the things I would say, and I feel like we always, there's some things that we talk about every time um, they keep coming up. Uh, so I'm about to say one of those things. One, I would say to check in with your community um one of the things that really helped me is being able to talk about what was happening and then hearing from people like um what they were what it looks like outside of the reality of and I was in a home with a narcissist of living so like what does the world look like outside of this reality of living with a narcissist and experiencing this on a daily basis And so being able to uh, not be alone per se, even though I was the only one living with the narcissist, my community was there the whole time. And I think that's really, I think that's really important and probably one of the most important things that started the process for me. I mean, that's exact. I mean, I was going into the same path, Danny. I would never have known and realized, you know, had clarity if it wasn't for the people who I trusted and I let in. And there are people that you tell the truth to. You have to be willing to have trusted individuals get into your business because they're going to be like, actually, that this is what it sounds like, or actually, you know, I, I've seen you, I've seen your interactions. I've been in your home on a daily basis and you are translating it as this, but this is exactly what it is. And that only happens when you let community in, you know, and community is supposed to uplift you. And it's supposed to make sure that you, um, it's supposed to make sure that you stay grounded. Oh, so I completely agree with you, Danny. Like that is, it's just a, such a crucial part 
of the process is um, allowing people in, allowing people to tell you when you are either uh, translating it somewhere or you're even lying to yourself. Hey, you're lying to yourself or hey, maybe you're not willing to admit it yet. But at some point, you need to call a spade a spade. At some point, you need to look at the person who's abusing you and saying, you may have been a good person or you are painting yourself as a good person and the victim, but the fact is a fact and that's what's happening. And this is what your label is. Um, and that only happens through community, I would say. I'm going to say absolutely community, 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 for sure. And I think just to add another element, I think therapy is super helpful if you have access to receiving professional help, I think that that is going to make a huge impact because, you know, a therapist can hear the things that you're saying and can hear you expressing this type of abuse that you're experiencing and they'll be able to identify it and, you know, give you some, some steps and provide you with some resources. So absolutely therapy if you have access to it. Can I also say, Jackie, thank you. Can I also say that especially with a narcissist, someone that has narcissistic personality disorder, if you are in therapy with them and you hear them not tell the truth to the therapist, but the therapist can't catch it, don't put yourself in that situation again. Like I want, I want to free you from putting yourself back into a situation where the therapist isn't catching it. Get another therapist call a psychologist. There are people who are trained to smell and spot a narcissist. And you don't have to sit in an office and feel like, well, they're not telling the truth. So how are we going to get whole? Well, you're not going to get whole because they aren't telling the truth. And you're not going to help yourself if you're sitting in a chair with a therapist who cannot pinpoint that they are lying Okay, and who cannot say, "Hey, there's a there's something about this whole dynamic that's psychologically wrong," you know? So don't put yourself in that position. Get another therapist. I know you want to try. I know you love this person, but don't subject yourself to those things over and over and over. Yeah, and I would also suggest, like, if you can get a separate therapist just for yourself. Like, I know some people who are in a like a, a marriage. You know, you go to couples therapy. If you can go by yourself, because like Lorena saying, if if they're lying to the therapist, you know, there there's nothing that you can do to make them tell the truth. You can only speak your truth. So if possible, I say get a, a separate therapist if you know resources and funds are available. I would even say have your own therapist first, the secondary to the couples therapy. You know, you need to take care of yourself first. Absolutely, Jackie. A hundred percent agreed with that. Therapy is another place where you can get someone who doesn't know you personally. So it's like, oh, they're not just saying that because they're my friends. No, this person is objective and they can point out things in the narrative that you share about your life that a friend will probably point out, but also that Sometimes we need to hear things more than once. 
Absolutely. I totally agree with everything that you all just said. And I think also something that um, June mentioned in the video as well is educating yourself, you know, um, learning more about, you know, the concepts that we're discussing and about the behavior of a narcissist. We talked about, you know, some of the traits that exist in, um, in a narcissist in part one of this podcast. Um, and so like learning how to identify those things is really a huge first step um, in being able to like come to that realization. If you're thinking like, oh, could this potentially be, you know, a narcissist that I'm interacting with, like learning more about that information is going to be particularly helpful, especially because most narcissists are not diagnosed. So 9.9 .9 times out of 10, they're not, they're not ever going to be the one to admit oh, I'm a narcissist, you know, that's the reason why our interactions are the way that they are. The person who is, you know, being abused by the narcissist will have to be the one to identify that and take steps forward in creating separation in that relationship. Um, and so I think, you know, being aware of it, like having the knowledge in the first place is definitely a huge step. And then um, of course, all of the other things that we mentioned to follow as well, you know, involving your community, seeking therapy, if you can, all of those things. And we do have some resources um, on our website, commonsenseconversations.us. Um, you can check out our resource tab there to get some more information. Um, we have some great resources there, so definitely check it out. I think my next question would be, you know, uh, one of the things that, um, or, or maybe it would be helpful for us to talk a little bit more about like the why, you know, because we've talked about like the what, like what is that experience like? Um, and I think maybe talking a little bit about the why would help um, to kind of make it all make more sense. Um, and so uh, Chaplain Jose was talking about um, emotional trauma and how like sometimes the, the traumatic experiences that people go through in life can end up being triggered later on by different other things that they go through um, and you know how there can be there's a, there's a difference in how people react to traumatic experiences. Um, and so on the one hand, for some people, they may start to display, you know, narcissistic tendencies during a traumatic season in their life. Um, but that may not necessarily be an indicator that that person is actually has narcissistic personality disorder. It may just be because of that particular season in their life, you know, certain traits are, this is the way that they're coping with whatever triggers they're experiencing to the trauma that they've been through versus somebody who actually has narcissistic personality disorder. Um, and so, um, yeah, essentially the question that I'm trying to get to is, you know, if someone is trying to identify, like, well, if I'm in, if I'm interacting with someone, like, how do I know whether they are a full blown narcissist versus someone who might just be reacting to trauma and displaying narcissistic tendencies in a specific season of their life? I think that one's hard because, um, oftentimes with narcissists they don't allow people close to them so we interact with or we can interact with people who have narcissistic personality disorder 
But if we're not in close relationships, so if we're not a spouse or if we're not a sibling or a parent or somebody who has spent extended time with them, you know, we might not be able to identify um, whether they are, you know, they're just in a season or they're actually in, you know, narcissistic personality disorder. For someone who is like somebody in your life that's close to you, whether it's a friend or, you know, somebody who you have that intimate connection with, I think you'll be able to know because like you said, Joy, is this, is, did their, did their behavior change with a situation? Like, or has this been long going? Like, have they, have they been behaving and thinking and speaking to you in this way for an extended period of time? Or did they just experience something traumatic and now they are behaving as a result of the trauma? Uh, I think what I gather from what you're saying, Joy, um, you know, and Jackie, to me, the question is, especially when you're in a relationship with someone, you know, how do you, you know, how do you know that they've turned or how do you know that they are? And, you know, I, I say this a lot and I, I don't know if I, I can say this. Well, actually I can say whatever I want, but you know, fruit, <laughs> you know, fruit, like um, the fruits of the spirit to me are super crucial because they're practical as Christians, you know, as a Christian, I live based on fruit, right? I live based on kindness and gentleness, right? I live based on patience, regardless of who's around. And if you are in a relationship with someone and they are striving to have fruit, if they're, you know, with the trauma that they have, they're still striving to apologize. You know, they're not arrogant. They're not prideful, but they're, they acknowledge that, hey, I spoke to you that way and I shouldn't have. I behave this way and I shouldn't have. I'm wrong. Like there are triggers and trauma. So we live in a world of people who really are selfish and who do behave um, as if nothing that they do affects someone else. You know, so we have to take that into consideration, but for me, when I, as I've experienced it, when I see someone who is unwilling to dig deep in their trauma and then have been triggered, but they really, de- they decide to be more arrogant. They decide to be the lead, right? They decide to be the driver of the car when really they should be in the passenger seat or in the back saying, I don't know how to drive. I cannot drive. There's nothing inside me that should be behind the wheel right now. But they refuse to say that. They refuse to apologize. They refuse to admit, hey, my mind is congested and I'm going to continue to behave this way because I don't know what to do. When, when jo- And June, uh, Chaplin Price said it. June did say it. She said, arrogance is the dictator. When someone is arrogant enough to see that they have no fruit and and yet consider themselves fruitful people, you know, how can you not have patience and not be kind and not, like, how can you be sexually immoral and abusive and all of these things to people around you, but then you take bits and pieces of short kindness that you may have with a stranger or with someone that benefits you and you consider yourself good. That's 
arrogance. And to me, that's a huge part of narcissistic personality disorder is someone who is unwilling, not just like uh, June and, and, and Jose both said, you know, it's steeped in insecurity. Yeah, but you are arrogant thinking you don't have that insecurity and therefore you make decisions consistently that affect other and are destructive. And that is seen in the fruit that you have. And, you know, that's what I would say for me is, hey, you're going to see if someone who was good and who was trying to fight against certain things, right, um, has decided all of a sudden that they are triggered and they but they are unwilling to to look in the mirror and say, man, I need help. You know, that they will always victimize themselves. They will always blame someone else. And then if they turn to you and say, you're the problem and you don't take, you take things out of context and you're a bully and you're a da-da-da. And they're unwilling to say, I'm sorry, I should not speak any longer. Then yeah, they they were triggered because they weren't that way. But you would know because you have that feeling all along when you first started that relationship, if you felt that way the whole time, or if something happened and now you feel attacked consistently, you feel like you're the abuser consistently and you're confused, which is what Dr. Ramadine always says. You're in a state of confusion. You are in a state of loss because you cannot reconcile reality with, um, you know, with what they're saying. And that means that, yes, that person has, has, you know, for lack of a better terms, uh, turned, you know, and decided to go through the path of becoming full-blown narcissists. I would also say that the difference is in something June Price brought up also that it's a pattern of behavior. Because um, I work with trauma survivors and a lot of trauma survivors are very self-aware. So I work with survivors who know when they do something that is a trauma reaction because immediately they can say, I know I shouldn't have done it, but this emotion or this thing, you know, because it impacts your impulses, it impacts your ability to make decisions. And but they're like, you know, I don't I don't know why I did it. I shouldn't have done it. And I don't know what I don't know why I did it. And it's the trauma. And so that's good. There's a self-awareness that trauma survivors have when they're going through the healing process and understanding of their reactions and understanding of how deeply trauma impacts you um, in all capacities, you know? Um, So I think that's one way to recognize it. And the other thing I think about is some of the initial interactions with uh, a narcissist or someone with narcissistic traits or or even someone who has full-blown narcissistic personality disorder is um, this creation of closeness very quickly. So kind of you'll feel as if you're in a whirlwind and you don't have time to think and it feel it kind of feels good but then it kind of doesn't and one of the ways in which uh that closeness is created is through sharing very deeply personal almost like boundary crossing traumas with you um that I'll always center them as the victim 
Um, and so you might end up hearing about all of someone's childhood trauma in a very short amount of time, um, or they're quick to share these kinds of things with all people. Like they're meeting someone second or third time and they're talking about different abuses they've suffered or you know, very intense stories of their past. Uh, and a lot of times it's because they're doing that because it crosses, it makes, it makes someone feel sorry for them and it creates empathy and it, it helps the person to feel as if, you know, this person has gone through a lot and look at them trying to be vulnerable and share with me, but it's actually just, being not being self not being self-aware enough to know when you're crossing other people's boundaries and violating other people's boundaries and oversharing is a great way to know if someone is perpetually violating another person's boundaries yeah as you were talking danny i just remembered something when you were talking about the patterns of behavior I just remembered something that helped me to understand this better. I actually was just talking it out earlier. Um, and something that helped me was realizing that it's a personality disorder. So I what helped me to understand it was like a part of my personality is that I'm bubbly and loud. So that has been a part of my personality since I could remember, you know, since I was in elementary school, middle school, high school, all the way up until now. So there will be seasons where I'm not as loud and as bubbly because of just circumstances and, you know, life, or there may be some settings that I'm not as loud and as bubbly, but that's going to always be a part of my personality. And so with people who have narcissistic personality disorder or any personality disorders, this is going to be something that is always a part of their personality. It might show up differently in different spaces and it might be um, more overt in certain settings, but this is something that is a part of their patterns and their behaviors. So that was something that helped me as I was processing through because you you hear that narcissist, like once a narcissist, um, I don't wanna say becomes a narcissist, but like if a narcissist is a narcissist, they will always be a narcissist. Like it, it's different from other forms of mental illness or mental health issues, because oftentimes it's chemical imbalances when you, you know, you're talking about other forms like depression, anxiety, and things of that sort. But with a personality disorder, it's, it's something that can't be fixed because it's a part of their personality. So they can choose to behave differently, but it's a part of their personality. So they're, they're gonna constantly have those patterns and those um, tendencies that they have to choose to check and choose to behave differently. But oftentimes they will not because they're not willing to admit those things because of the nature of the personality disorder. So yeah, that was one thing that helped me to kind of wrap my mind around such a huge concept. Like narcissism is a huge concept, so yeah. I think that's really good and really helpful, Jackie. Um, thank you all so much for sharing. Um, once again, I know that this is a really tough and triggering topic. Um, and so because of that, I want to do something real quick. We're going to do just a rapid fire. Like if you had to provide some encouragement to somebody, because we've, we've all shared about how we've had interactions and relationships with narcissists. Um, and yet, you know, here we are 
and we are healthy and we are, you know, healing. And so if there was some encouragement that you could give to somebody who is listening and maybe they are, you know, in the thick of it right now, um, what would you say? Don't isolate, find a friend, find a therapist, get out. Yeah. Talk about it. Talk about it as much as you can with whoever that you feel you can trust recognize and affirm yourself and affirm your reality um and affirm who you are and your identity because you might feel as if you're losing yourself um but cling to who you are regardless of what the other person says as much as possible you know, don't try to engage them in deep conversations. Um, you know, Chaplain Jose was really clear about that. Do not tell them about your emotions, how you're feeling. I know it's hard because you love them so much. You love them with all your heart and you want to, but don't do it. They have not proven that they are trustworthy. And so don't give them anything else from you about yourself. You know, find a, someone else you can trust to give that to. And then create boundaries so that you can live a life, especially if you decide not to leave, right? Or they don't leave you. If you're going to be in it, create boundaries. Do not give them any more of yourself that they can abuse. And I would say healing is possible. You know, healing is possible. It is hard and it feels like hell while you're going through it. Um, but it won't always feel as bad as it does um, right now if you're in it you know, um, and that would be my encouragement is that as long as you keep moving forward, you know, healing will come. And that's the reason why we're here. You know, that's the reason why we're having these conversations so that they can, you know, help people, um, help to provide that healing that people are seeking. And so I wanna thank you all for joining us for this conversation. Don't forget to check out our YouTube channel um, for the first, the original conversation that we're actually extending here, uh, where we talked about narcissism with Chaplain Jose Bourget and Chaplain June Price. The conversation is really good. So you definitely wanna check that out. Also be sure to check out our Common Sense store that is on our website. Um, you can see all the merch that we have that promotes these super dope conversations that we're having and the messages that we're trying to send through them. Um, so be sure to check that out and make sure you subscribe. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, be sure to give us a rating and we will see you all in the next episode. Thank you for joining us on today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe to our show and be sure to rate and review if you're tuned in on Apple Podcasts. Links to all our social media and our website can be found in the show notes. We'll talk to you next time.